Optimal health for high performers. This is the Health Upgrade Podcast with Dr. Nawaz Habib. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Health Upgrade Podcast. This is Dr. Habib. I'm really excited about today's guest. I have Dr. Francois Dutois. He's a registered naturopath, speaker, wellness advocate, and a health coach. He owns a private practice in South Africa while also presenting high-level workshops on different health topics. Over the last nine years, he has dedicated his life to empower people to be the healthiest version of themselves as they grow to achieve optimal states of health. He worked for the prestigious wellness sanctuary and spa, Kamalaya in Thailand. There he worked among an international team of naturopaths and Chinese doctors and melded these techniques into his own healthcare philosophies and practices. Dr. Francois and I have connected over the last little while, and I'm very, very honored to have him here with me on our podcast recording. So thank you so much for being here, Francois. Oh, it's my pleasure completely. Thank you, Dr. Nivas, for having me. I'm really excited to share your story. I really want to understand, and, and for so many of us that are in this realm of healthcare, of holistic health, of natural wellness, we have our own struggles. We have our own story that brought us to where we are. And I'd love for you to share your story. I'd love to kind of go through that. So how did this all start for you? How did you get into where you are? Thank you so much. You know, I was really, I was very thankful to be pulled into this sphere, the natural medicine, the health sphere, because of my health struggles that started when I was born, to be honest. I had uh, the most severe colic and uh, throat infections, middle ear infections that plagued the first two years of my life. And uh, we come from a family that, although are farming orientated, coming from a farming community, we're not natural medicine uh, oriented at all. So we grew up much believing that the medical system had the best answers, that um, the MD is the person you go to see if you have health problems. And we struggled for the first two years of my life with my health conditions just worsening day after day, month after month. I remember that I went through these probably six to 12 rounds of antibiotics. It was just months, months and weeks and weeks on end. And nothing cleared up, especially how severe my chronic middle infections were becoming. My mom did something really brave. She decided to go see uh, a local homeopath here in my hometown. And it was for us a tremendous leap of faith. We didn't know what to expect. We, from a conservative background, risk being ostracized from the community because of going to see this guy that was in the community still thought to be like almost like a witch doctor in, in brackets you know it was this strange guy what is he going to do to us or and that was just this big unknowns and question marks and uh when i went to go see him in fact because he assessed uh, so many deeper things in my well-being especially my diet and circumstances with the changes he made and medicine he gave us within one month i was almost completely cured it was this transformation from my health I remember my mom describing it as being, I was this depressed, unhappy child with no appetite at all to somewhere vibrant, healthy, and probably the opposite spectrum then started. It became more hyperactive. So that's a story in and of itself. That's the thing we also learned, even though there can be these wonderful, almost like miraculous cures, it's just the start of the journey. And that's what led to so many other steps along the way that I needed to go on to actually achieve optimal um, later on. But that's really where it started for us. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. All of us have something that we've struggled with, something that we've personally or our family has had to go through. And because of that, it, it's led us to find an answer outside of the common answer, the conventional answer that's out there. And 
when we find that and we have these amazing results that are, are so, so common with regards to holistic health and natural wellness, including homeopathy, naturopathy, chiropractic, functional medicine, whatever it ends up being, the intention is to help you function at a higher level so that you can go out and do great things. And that's exactly what I do uh, with regards to Health Upgraded. That's what Health Upgraded is built for. We want to help people create that opportunity where their health isn't the thing holding them back and they can go out and create that positive change in the world. So wow. I'm really interested because your story began quite young and mm. your parents brought you into that. So I'd love to kind of dig into that a little bit more. Do you know what was going on? Do you know uh, what that homeopath did to help you figure out where the root cause of that issue was? Yes, we came down to this the single thing, probably most dramatically, is, is that because of, in essence, my, I have a, a sister that's four years older than me, and she had also tremendous health struggles. But because of her constitution, her genetics, I always revert back to the iris because I'm iridologist. She's got brown eyes. So these are, are strong, hardy people that have less health conditions. I've got blue eyes, so I'm more sensitive. This is the way life works. But she put my mom through also a spin with her health problems. So when I came onto the scene, it was really this overwhelming, stressful, really difficult, emotional time for my mom. In fact, I re remember actually telling me the first time a few months ago that she had these moments because I was crying so endlessly. She couldn't make me stop, couldn't help me. She started crying along with me. It's the only thing she could do. Remember these tears dropping on me. <laughs> and I realized how, how hectic, stressful that period was. And because of those circumstances leading up to it, um, I wasn't breastfed very long. And I was put into formula milk, which was mixed with cow's milk from an earlier age, three, six months in. And we believe that was really the core because when the homeopath took me off cow's milk and put me onto carrot juice, this was when I was two years old, he said this would be an easy transition. This made the world of the difference. I remember my mom didn't even have a, a juicer. She had to grate the carrots by hand, use a muslin cloth and press it out. Do you remember that, that, that first month of the journey? Her hands were orange all the time. <laughs> and she came back. And I remember even so well that she told me, this homeopath told her, Francia was getting well so quickly because of your tremendous dedication. An asset that my mom really has. She really committed to it 100%. And with dairy being excluded and carrot juice as a you know, nutritious, uh, nutrient-dense drink coming along, I think that really propelled me in one month to become as well as, as I, I'd been in that stage going onwards. I'm a parent now myself, and I see the dedication that's required to make sure that your kids are, are as healthy as possible. For your mom to do that where, like, I've got my blenders upstairs, we've got all these tools to make it so easy, that would be such a struggle. And so, obviously, your connection to your mom is so strong and and just wonderful to hear that she she went through quite a struggle through a very stressful period but at the end of it she got you out of it and and she helped you become who you are today which is pretty phenomenal and and really let's commend parents that really take that that effort on mm -hmm. right that it's it's not okay. easy at all I've got the world of sympathy now looking back we are so fortunate to have the conveniences in the you'd say the health space that have developed to this point so we can give um, parents this opportunity to do these things that we struggled with so tremendously and doing it at the maybe potentially at a fraction of the, the expense even. Yeah, absolutely. I want to dig into a little bit about what you were talking about. So you mentioned that conventional medicine had provided you between six and 12 rounds of antibiotics. It was like you were basically on it 
for the first almost year of your life, it sounds like. And yes. it was uh, obviously nursing was was ending. And so you were bottle fed and formula fed. And there was an issue with regards to dairy and cow's milk. And this is not an uncommon issue, right? There, there are quite a few people that are dealing with sensitivities to these specific tools. And the, the problem with these foods and the problem with how we get our nutrients in, it has to do with the interaction between our food, our brain and our microbiome. And that's something that mm -hmm. is starting to come into the light uh, more commonly now. People are starting to understand what the microbiome means a little bit more than they used to. And I'd love to start to dig into that a little bit. So your microbiome obviously was not optimal when you were born. And there was some issue going on that led to the colic, that led to the food sensitivities, that led to the, the challenges that you were experiencing and that your mom was working through with you and, and with your sister. So I'd love to dig into the microbiome a little bit. Do you know what was going on? Did you have any testing done? And let's, let's figure out the, the path. You know, I, I never had it tested at that stage. It was nothing that was on our radar. We really went by the information that was available for us at that stage. At one stage, we didn't have the access to information to guide us into the realm of understanding what's happening in my digestive system. And then because of also the conservative community, there wasn't that space for me to express what I was experiencing, which was tremendous gut health problems. So, you know, you don't talk about going to the bathroom. You don't mention that you know you're struggling and all these things so because of that there was a it was a barrier to healing and in fact it's been my life mission to talk about these uncomfortable subjects because if it was an open conversation I could have told my parents early on you know I'm actually struggling with constipation so bad I'm in pain most of the time but there was no open space to talk about these things and these are the problems that developed up until the age of 10 years old when I almost died because of appendicitis it was the severe uh, flare-up um, in, a, in a country area away from hospitals. We didn't know what was happening. I was rushed to the nearest hospital, which was the farming community hospital, that said, like, well, we think it's appendicitis. We could always cut you open and just have a look and see. And my, my dad had this picture of me being, like, <laughs> open up on the table and dying there under the hands of this, <laughs> this farming community doctor. Um, kudos to him, though, for helping me along the way, though. He assessed it correctly. But then we rushed me to a, a bigger hospital and they literally saved my life because it was one hour away from bursting. And I am confident that if I had actually regular digestion, it wouldn't have caused the stagnation because people still don't understand that every system in the body, including the appendix, is an essential organ. It's got a function to play. Specifically, the appendix is a lymphatic gland, a lymphatic organ. And interesting enough, talking about the microbiome, it's only come to my attention more recently. I'm talking about the last maybe couple of months that the appendix actually stores a reservoir of bacteria, good flora, that it can release in times of need so that it can inoculate the colon to do its job better. You see, we're all learning the whole time. So these high level things of the microbiome are becoming much more common for us to understand. And if we can just optimize this microbiome, the gut flora environment, these gut health problems don't need to be a problem. Yeah, I, I love how you got into that. So many of us were taught going through school and so many people still don't understand the appendix is required. There is an actual function to the appendix. Nothing in our body shows up by chance. It shows up because there's a reason for it. And the appendix specifically, like you said, is that reservoir for very good bacteria. It's, 
it's going to help inoculate when there is a need, when there are bacterial overgrowths that we should not have with bad bacteria, parasites, viruses, yeast, worms. These good bacteria are, are helpful to us. And people don't know this, but here's a really interesting stat. In our human body, throughout our entire human body, we have anywhere between 40 to 60 trillion human cells. In just our large intestine alone, there's over 100 trillion bacteria. The symbiotic relationship between us and our symbiotic, helpful, good, positive bacteria is so, so important to our overall health, to our digestion, to our nutrient status, to our ability to bring in the, the right neurotransmitters and to be able to actually send information to our brain and to our gut and have that, that gut-brain interaction work really well. So thank you so much for bringing that up. And, and I'd love to dig into that a little bit more as well with regards to the microbiome. What are some of the more common challenges that you see in practice when people come in with or without gut issues? I would love to discuss that. In fact, you highlighted something that I remember so fondly. I went to a seminar hosted by uh, Dr. Michael Ash. I believe he's a director, institute leader in Europe, but I forget when and where exactly. But what he described in his seminar, so he was actually the, the pioneer in many ways about the gut-brain connection. And he foresaw this is going to be the future of medicine. And he was fortunate to attend his seminar, what was that, 2014, I believe. And what he told us is that ratio, for example, when the body cells are one to 10 of the bacteria of our gut, it, what it is and what it should be, that ratio in an unhealthy gut in microbial environment, because of a lack of diversity, could fall to close to being one to one, almost the same amount. And that is how far the drop can go compared to some native community that's living completely um, hunter-gatherer forage lifestyle, completely um, in, the, in the wild, their diversity is the 10 to 1. We, because of city life, might be closer to 1 to 1. So we are lacking a diversity of bacteria. And that by itself, I think, cascades into so many of these health problems. But to answer your question, I think in terms of the, what I see the most commonly was, in fact, my affliction. It's a really slow and sluggish bowel movements. Constipation is more commonplace than I could have ever thought when I started delving into my patient's health. Um, over these last nine years. And I think what brings true for most of them is that it's something that they never thought played a role in their health. Two, they don't, of course, they don't talk about it. It's not the conversations we have, of course, across the dinner table, <laughs> unless it's me and then everyone just silencing. I thought, well, what have I done now? <laughs> it's just normal people. <laughs> but in any case, <laughs> so luckily now these are things coming up. But I think outside of that, the more common thing is everything relating to a weaker immune system. And I tied immediately, especially this connection with mucus production, So, which was my struggle in one way for the middle ear. For most other people, it's the sinus problems, allergies. And I tie that directly back to how the gut is functioning, especially if there's signs of, say, leaky gut, constipation, IBS, because your digestion is also at the forefront of your immune system. When we talk about just taking a step outside of the, the, these core bio biology systems, when we look at the lymphatic system, this is another area of medicine that has been neglected for way too long. And luckily, a lot of natural practitioners now bring it to the forefront. 
And what we've discovered is, is that the, although the lymphatics in many areas of the body are more concentrated than the gut, for example, be it near the sinus areas, underneath the arms, in between the legs, the majority of the lymphatics that actually really regulate our entire body's immune response is the lymphatics that are wrapped around the guts because they're consistently looking for the breakdown products of digestion, as well as, of course, absorbing anything that the body doesn't want, be it a virus or bacteria or fungus or a toxin. Because the lymphatics, is probably what I should explain, is divided into two main functions. The one is detoxification, and the other wing is immune function. And because of that combination of a weakened digestive system and then a, you could almost say then a sluggish lymphatic system also, especially if it's that slow gut movement, you have stagnant toxins and your immune system can't prime itself. And then allergies and sinus problems for me are then a more direct result that I try to address from the root cause. Yeah, it's the interaction between these different systems overlooked so, so much by our conventional system, by our conventional practitioners. We, we've gotten to the point where like specialists are specializing in a specific system, like a gastroenterologist specializes in gut health but they don't talk to the endocrinologist who talks about hormones and they don't talk to the neurologist who talks about brain and they don't talk to the ear, nose and throat guy, but there's so much connection and interaction. And these systems are so intertwined together, especially with regards to the gut and the lymphatics mm-hmm. that they cannot be separated. They, they are essentially one in the same. And when we yeah. start to talk about the gut health and forget about lymphatics and we forget about the the system by which we actually drain and kill and eliminate toxins from the body. It's just complete oversight as to how those systems work together. And the only reason we're alive is because those systems are working together. And if we just separate and put mm-hmm. these things into silos, we're never going to be able to work on the person as a whole. And so that's mm-hmm. a really important piece of the work that I do with people, and I'm certain it is with you as well, you, you've experienced it, you know what slow digestion has and the effects that it has on your brain health, on your gut health, on your skin, on, on every aspect of you. That's really yes. important. And I just quickly want to point out as well, you mentioned sinuses, sinus challenges, uh, congestion. I grew up with ear infections, basically three or four times a year was put on antibiotics, had the same very similar struggle as I, when I was younger, with mm-hmm. regards to killing off my good bacteria with these antibiotics that were not helpful at the time, but seemed to do a, jo- a trick with the ear infection itself. But mm. the mouth is actually the beginning of the gut. And there is a direct connection between the mouth and the nose and the sinuses and the ears. They are all physically open, connected to one another. If there's something going wrong with regards to ear infections or sinus congestion, it's connected to the gut. There is a direct connection there. And so we can't overlook that. And in fact, those are signs of something that's not working internally. And so we have to use those and understand what they are. Let's dig into that a little bit as well. So you're seeing a lot of sinus congestion and ear infections and sluggish gut. Let's talk about the combination or the connection between a lot of those challenges. In fact, one of the things that's now expanding as we're seeing now that gut testing is becoming more commonplace, I actually only in the last two years started testing people's gut flora, microbial balance. I'm using the GI map test at the moment, and it is phenomenal. It is a wealth of information. I'm really enjoying digging into them 
but I, I still need to do my own. So it's going to be an exciting journey when that happens. But what, I, what I've seen because of that progression is, and this is also what the science is confirming, is we have different microbiomes for the mouth, to the ears, to the nose, to the throat. You could literally subdivide them and go look at that microbiome. And when you, we can start to understand what the microbiome is like in those cavities, I think we'll be able to start providing the correct, say, for example, fermented foods, or the right probiotics, or the right medicines to irrigate these passages with to correct the, the balance. But for now, it's still on the horizon. But in terms of that, the functional connection, it's very true. I even, even mentioned in terms of the description for the audience who's becoming familiar with the gut. This is a hollow tube that's running all the way from your mouth, all the way down to the anus. And it's the same with all these other passageways and they are connected. And that's phenomenal insights. I haven't had anyone else describe it that way up until now. So I'm, that's wonderful. And we really need to be aware. And this is something I wanted to highlight. Someone that's really great in this space is Dr. Zach Bush. I'm not sure if you've come across him in your yeah, own circles. Love Zach. It means that completely trailblazing it for us in terms of opening up these connections because from the medical perspective, um, studying into three different specialities. I think it was pediatrician and, and hospice care and, and also endocrinology. He's, he's subspecialized in all three fields to look for the answer. Didn't find it there, turned to natural medicine. And that's really what's been fantastic. Yeah, there's some really wonderful natural practitioners out there that are doing a wonderful job putting together these pieces that Unfortunately, they've been separated by conventional medicine or they've been separated in, in the, the common practice that's out there, where when we look at the person holistically and understand that something that's going on here is actually a sign of something that's going wrong elsewhere, and our body is actually trying to tell us, we just need to learn to speak the language of the body, speak the language of symptoms and, and signs and understand what those are actually trying to tell us. And mm. when we use the right testing, and you mentioned the GI map test, which is my absolute favorite when it comes to gut health, the GI map test gives us objective evidence of what's living in the gut. We can then create directed approaches rather than guessing. And when we guess and we don't test, we go out and we might have negative unintended effects occur or side effects. We could have other challenges occur. And that's why testing and understanding truly what's going wrong internally plays such a positive role. It played a, a very, very important role in my health. I was able to, with my first GI map, this is years ago now, understand that the initial challenge or the, the major struggle behind a lot of my cravings, and I was craving sugar and chocolate primarily, had to do with the yeast overgrowth that I was experiencing. And so we, mm -hmm. with my uh, mentor, we put together uh, an entire plan for me to help get rid of that. And we use the right herbs, we use the right protocols, the right essential oils, we use the right tools, everything natural, of course, and actually we're able to create the positive change. And that's where naturally I was able to eliminate a lot of these struggles personally. So that's where understanding that testing plays such an important role. When you have objective proof, then you have a direction. And without that objective direction, then, then there's no directionality with regards to care and, and treatment that can be provided in the right way. This is the insight that we can give to, to our clients and our patients, because when even though I've refined this process of optimizing gut health because of my fascination of the gut and being a naturopath where most naturopaths focus on gut health, it was 
phenomenal process to see what could be the, the optimum period of time to actually restore gut health. And I've honed it down to somewhere between three to six months. But that is because I can't test for all my patients. Not everyone can afford, unfortunately, GI map test. But if they can, the money they save in the treatment approach is, is the benefit that they will have. And they'll have it for the rest of their life because you're starting to eat to optimize your genetics, which is a test that luckily I was very fortunate to have. I had a full nutrigenomics a genetics test called 3x4 Genetics. I think they're still Cape Town based, but they might be branching out. And seeing that I can actually change my genetic expression by the food I eat, for me, has been one of those wow aha moments. Because working with my patients, helping them to say, oh, maybe gluten is your problem. Maybe dairy is your problem. Maybe it's another food allergy. Maybe it's a toxin in your house, a mold there. But if you can see that your diet is the nutrition that will switch on your genetics to express your optimal health, and you can eat that way for the rest of your life to potentially become Superman or Superwoman, at least in your genetics, that for me is the most exciting thing that I'm actually diving into at the moment because it's so valuable. It's so valuable to have that information in your hand. There's no question about it. And uh, you mentioned that they save the money at, in the long run. When, when we get the right testing done, you save money in the long run, knowing kind of what you need to do. But imagine the time saving and the effort and the stress savings, all of that, it pays off significantly when people figure out based on objective testing where we can create that positive change. And yeah, we correlate a lot of this with genetic expression and, and the food that you're eating is playing a role, not only on, on your genetics, but your microbiome and that microbiome story. plays a huge role. And, and so let's talk a little bit about diet that tends to be a little bit more problematic when it comes to the microbiome. Do you notice, is there a bit of a correlation between the style or the type of food that people might eat? and the commonality of some of the struggles that they might be having. Definitely. Well, I find that I, the people that have adjusted to the, what we call the more standard city life, where the choices of food is supermarket based, that is the, the frame of mind they're in when we talk about you know, preparing. A... So when I see people that have had overall across the spectrum, the most health problems, I can trace it back to most of the cases, people that are adjusted to city life. And city life by itself brings a lot of challenges. But the most primary one is when I talk about food or diet choices for them, this is from the mindset of what can I buy at a supermarket? So we're already faced with the challenge of people that their, their main source of food is going to be maybe 80% processed food or maybe more. And the, the design, people don't understand the psychology of a supermarket in terms of how it's designed to pull you in to the middle section of all the juicy chips and chocolates and, and more highly processed ingredients. And they leave the groceries to the periphery. And if that wasn't enough, you felt, felt your, um, your discipline was good enough to avoid all those you know, nasty bits in the middle. You're coming to what we call the snack aisle, the queue, before you buy, uh, actually finish buying the food. And the snack aisle has the worst. It has the smallest, most delectable snacks and the things there for you waiting. So, you know, these things creep in over years and over a lifetime. And these are not things we could, we could tease them out in, you know, a consultation. But to get that depth out, you know, these are the hidden toxins that are creeping in from the preservatives and the chemicals and the dyes and who knows what else. 
So those are the people that have the most health and gut struggles. Compared to someone that I will come to see and, you know, they share, they grew up in a farming community. They know how to produce their own vegetables and salads. And they are, even now in city life, they've adopted to having a food garden. And these are, and they go to farmer's markets. These are two completely different people, even though, though they might struggle with the same similar health conditions, maybe even similar genetic patterns. Those two are worlds apart in their journey because of their differences in diet, just because of those choices. Yeah, there's no question. And, and what's really interesting is the convenience. The convenience factor is such a huge player in this, in this role. And you speak about city life, and in our case, it's that urban convenience drive-through type of culture, right? And it was something that I was very much a victim of myself or, or made myself a victim of, I guess. I, I still remember my, in my old life as a chiropractor, I would step away from the office on Friday afternoons. I would swing by the bank, drop off, pick up whatever I needed to at the bank. And then on my way back to the highway to get home, I would stop by Wendy's, which is one of our fast food restaurants here and go through the drive-through and pick up a couple of things for myself and be sitting there eating these fried, crappy, terribly raised foods that were convenient. I call them foods uh, with quotation marks around that because they truly weren't real food. And that convenient idea of I don't raise these animals, I don't grow these vegetables, I don't manage it myself, I don't understand what truly goes into it, but I'm eating it in mm. my car on my 30 minute drive home. That culture has been so perpetuated in, in that urban city life that we're looking for those conveniences. We're going into the center aisles of the supermarket of the grocery store to pick up those convenient, sugar-filled, highly processed, nutrient-poor foods, quote-unquote. And that's where we think we're, we're supposed to be getting it from. So yeah, where possible, I highly recommend, uh, I, and I completely agree with you, let's, let's learn what truly goes back into growing our own vegetables. Let's truly understand what real food is, right? And that green, clean, and lean are, are really, really important. We want to get those vegetables in. We want to get those, those important nutrients in. And it's not at the expense of calories, but essentially what's, what's happened is a shift from nutrient-dense to calorie-dense foods. And that plays a huge role because that shifts our microbiome very significantly. Now, those are the really powerful insights you've gained. And, you know, it's, it's really a, I see it as an educational problem. You know, the, the, the circumstances you, you found yourself in is because, you can, in one instance, we're programmed into thinking, this is also food. And it takes, unfortunately, for so many of us, you know, a, a health disaster, a health crisis to come to these realizations. And then we start asking the questions. And then we say, for so many of us, we go down a bit of a rabbit hole on their discovery trails to find out what's behind the scenes of these food companies and these uh, products that we're buying. And I do recommend that everyone actually reaches out to, you know, your local naturopath or chiropractor or, you know, nutritionist to help in that journey because we can save you years of, you know, mining through these very depressing articles and uh, conspiracy theory things because we can summarize and package you information that will build you up and make you healthy quickly. <laughs> but it is essential to do your own research on these things. You must understand where your food is coming from to the point where you can make an informed, healthy, and positive decision. You know, Dr. Abab, one of the things that I've realized is that 
it's wonderful to be a health seeker and a truth seeker and want to pursue health, but don't do it at the expense of your nervous system. Don't dig in and get stressed about these things and read up every dark, horrible article about what now is happening with, for example, in the dairy industry. The food industry is there to make money. And unfortunately, as companies go, that's their prerogative and they're allowed to do that. We should be keeping them accountable for that, but we have been living lives of convenience and ease. We start with ourselves. We start, which we say, voting with our dollars <laughs> or your rands in my South African context. And I remember how much of this was broken open for me when I watched one documentary. This is probably my main recommendation for people that want to see it all in one picture. It's called Food Inc., Food Incorporated. And it's not for the lighthearted. And at least it puts a positive spin on the, you know, the meat industry. And I believe we share similar um, sentiments because I saw one of your Instagram posts being a sacred cow. Wonderful, wonderful. It's still on my, it's still on my list. <laughs> I still need to go watch it. But I, I read the description. I realized this resonates with me. And it's so good to see like in Food Inc. that it portrays the food industry as being toxic, but then also being whatever is raised from the farming community, including healthy raised animal meats are essential for not only healthy, nutritious food, but also the health of the environment. So there was a really interesting point that you had there that, that allowed me to kind of dig into this a little bit more. But we, we mentioned the symbiotic relationship between our cells and our human body and the microbiome, that they need to be in balance with one another. And you mentioned that when we are over farming, when we're heavily breaking down the environment and where where these industrial food kind of processing factories are where they're present they're not symbiotically living with the environment and what sacred cow talks about in, in the documentary is that we need to create the sustainable agricultural practice that allows the animals to live in symbiotic uh, relationship with the environment entirely. And so symbiotic externally leads to symbiosis internally. And I think that mm -hmm. is a really cool kind of parallel to draw here that what happens outside will also happen inside. And so if we look for convenience outside, we're going to create an imbalance and lead to challenges internally. And so it's, it's the true. macrocosm microcosm type effect here that essentially that energy is being transported into our body. And so what energy do we want to take in? You also mentioned voting with your dollars. And I love, there's a quote from Garrett Gunderson from the book, Killing Sacred Cows, punny enough, where he specifically says, every dollar you spend is a vote for the type of world you want to live in. It was just light bulbs at that moment. If I don't want to live in a world where these conveniences and these challenges are present in my life, I have to stop voting with my dollar. And so that's, that's so where true. a huge transformation occurred for me. You're making me think of this quote that I uh, picked up along there from Gandhi. He said, be the change you want to see in the world. What I felt in my own way of saying, it's like, if you want to change these factors, you have to change this internal world before you can, and you, by changing that internal world, you will change the outside world because you will be, you know, the beacon of light, you'll be the individual that can speak from experience and from health and without having to take more actions necessarily than that, your life will speak and that will change the atmosphere because as you very well described this combination of how the outside environment, especially agriculture is influencing our bodies. I've seen it broken down to the point that, you know, the, especially the agricultural industry 
has caused such havoc to the environment in terms of the shift in chemicals in the in the soil, chemicals in the ocean, chemicals that are now being absorbed and going into the air in terms of air pollution, changing weather patterns. These are all the behind the scenes factors that actually created the environment for a pandemic to start. And this is Dr. Zach Bush's own words. And in fact, he's probably the only person that was officially quoted as being predicted where a pandemic would break out. He predicted it would be in China and Wuhan because of air pollution. Now, these are parallels. I'm not saying that's my statement. I believe it fully. But you, when you look at these things in a holistic perspective, you start seeing telltale signs that we have created this world that is now creating health problems for us. So it is really our responsibility, changing our own health, our own most immediate circumstances and environment. And then that can be the change that, that will bring about a better world for everyone. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And I, I love that. And on that note, I want to talk about the actual change that people can make, right? And not everybody has access to testing. Not everybody has access to either of us with regards to functional medicine and, and naturopathy. And obviously, geographically, we're not exactly close by one another. But we, we do have that ability to actually create some change within ourselves, within our lives. So let's talk a little bit about some of the more basic, some of the more simple and easy to incorporate dietary or lifestyle changes that we can make to create these optimal changes uh, with regards to our microbiome, just even as, as a beginning point. Love to dig in here. For here, I, I would go through these kind of like these really simple biohacks as I see them. But the first one, and this is something I picked up along the way, everything starts with your mindset. And these I'm thankful to my mentors, Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins for teaching these things to me. You could have the best advice, the best diet, the best environment, the best genetics. But if your mind is in the wrong place, and you're thinking negative thoughts. It will not bring about the change. So the first thing is for people to listen to their body. Be mindful about what your body is telling you. Notice what your digestive system is telling you from day to day. Incorporate it with your meditative practices or breathing techniques or prayer time is a fantastic time to check in with the body and seeing what is it telling you. And that's really the first step to make a mindset of health. And that will come from that sense. But then first and second, we will probably eliminate unhealthy foods. And these can be the biggest triggers I find is wheat and gluten, especially genetically modified. And this is across the board. We want to cut out the genetically modified or the GMOs. Processed food, the convenience foods, whatever is in a box or in a fancy colorful wrapping, it's probably going to be a processed food. It's probably going to have chemicals and preservatives and very little or no nutrition. In fact, in the net balance, it will push your body into toxicity and give you nothing in, in exchange. I sometimes talk in banking terms. <laughs> we want to invest in your health. You want to be in the red. You don't want to be in the black. And that's why you have to make these choices. It might feel like you're paying now. It's a bit expensive now to buy the organic or the superfood or that, whatever. But you're actually investing in your biology. And that will give you returns in your business, in your mindset, in your enthusiasm that you can give to the world. You know, These all play into that. And of course, sugar and pasteurized dairy or milk. These are all the biggest um, immediate things I want people to find alternatives for. And this is also the key. 
reaching out to people and resources that can give you helpful alternatives. It's not about eliminating everything. It's about finding healthy and suitable alternatives that will fit your diet and your lifestyle. Then I would say it's important to eat foods regularly that will actually heal your digestive tract. And to summarize the top healing food for the gut would probably be bone broth or any type of soup that's rich in collagen. You could even use collagen as a, as a supplement. But ideally, making um, regular broths from bones that have a lot of cartilage attached, these are the smaller bones. Say, for example, it could be also the bigger bones of their heads. For example, the, the cartilage parts will always give more of these building blocks. And then probably lastly, is we use the fancy term feeding the microbiome. But what it, if you break it down, we're talking about adopting the traditional cultural foods that we needed to rely on for most of human history because we didn't have refrigerators. So people naturally preserved food by fermentation. And this goes to show about the you know, intelligence of nature. When you rely on nature, in this sense, to preserve your food, it actually gives you another banking term, dividends back, a return that's way beyond what you could have thought because now you're getting in food that is well-preserved, can stay forever if you do it correctly, and the longer it ferments, the more probiotics, the more healthy bacteria, the more prebiotics it might give you. And then this feeds into the diversity. So you can have not only amount of good bacteria, which is important, but that's something the probiotic industry missed out on. You know, we were all early adopters on the probiotic industry. We've seen that that's not the solution. It's really about making uh, fermented food choices. Now you're getting a diversity of bacteria that can actually recolonize the gut and get the bad guys out, whatever they might have been, be it um, you know, fungal or candida or bacteria in nature that literally colonize and outgrow the competitors. And there from flows you know, the, the, the majority of the health that you will achieve in life. I absolutely love that. With starting with the basics of getting rid of the things that you know that your body's telling you aren't working. So listening to your body is number one, no question about it. And then being able to eliminate a lot of those processed foods that tend to be higher in those gluten, wheat, dairy, uh, sugar, those, those unnatural kind of processed preservative type foods. And, and the point that you made here with regards to going back to foods that did not need to be, or that we didn't have the convenience of refrigerators for, and learning that bacteria and the tools that we had at our disposal actually helped us to preserve these foods and, and to become what people are now calling superfoods, which really is just real food, right? These <laughs> real food is now called superfoods and the rest of it is called food, but really those are food products. Those are products made out of food. And when you make something out of food and you put it into a box, you're actually draining the nutrients out of it. When we go to these superfoods and these actual foods, they still have the vast majority of their nutrients within them. And they're going to provide those nutrients to you. And when we preserve them naturally using bacteria, using fermentation, we create this optimal probiotic and prebiotic influx that comes into our gut to correct any imbalances that are going on. And that's mm -hmm. really, really important to remember here. We want to create that optimal balance between the gut and the brain. 
And we want to allow for that symbiotic relationship to come back with regards to gut uh, function and the interaction we have with our gut microbiome. Yes. I want to ask you a couple quick questions with regards to diet as well. And I'd love to dig into intermittent fasting really briefly. The mm. idea of restricting intake of food for certain times. Yes. It's something that I use personally. It's something I use with clients. Do you use it? And mm. what are some of the amazing the things that you've noticed if you do use it? Yes, no, I, I do believe it. Uh, luckily, um, growing up in a, a Christian family, fasting has not been a foreign concept. But it's amazing how outside of those norms, I was taught in a, in a you could say like a, a teaching, a seminar, how much research had been done on fasting. And this was in 2007. I didn't even know how long ago that research was. What I listened to it was just a speaker talking about people were fasting and they did miraculous health recoveries. And that kind of paved the way, not only for myself to realize I wanted to become a natural medicine doctor, that was kind of like the impetus in 2007 for me. I'm like, wow, what this person is saying is so profound. I want to learn and know more. And that's only grown as time went by. And I could say that as fasting as being like a lifestyle choice uh, for religious reasons, I've now delved into intermittent fasting and seeing it being this crucial element to optimize the systems of the body because just frankly we eat way too much food too frequently and we've been indoctrinated the same way our mindset has been pulled in a certain direction our education has unfortunately been incorrect uh, taught or untaught caught than taught more just recorded we think we need to have three or four meals a day and this is completely against biology and this is very difficult because of especially this gut brain connection that's one of the strongest connections of health in our body, how the mind and the gut connect. Since we have programmed our mind to need food that frequently, it's a tremendous shift for the, for the body to adjust to something less. So I, and I really sympathize with people that find it challenging, but I really enjoy it when people find what window of eating uh, the food actually works for them in their lifestyle choices. So I no, it takes actually it takes a few months to adopt to any cycle, be it you know 16, 8, the eight hour window for eating, which I think is like probably close to the gold standard for many people. And you could go more restricted than that if you want. I mean, there's so many circulating, you could say more testimonials of people, one meal a day diets, and they're also thriving, which is also for me fascinating. But what I'm seeing is in my patients is, is that first off, they lose weight like nothing else because you are taking your body into ketosis. And this is the healthy ketosis. This is not the unhealthy one with, with the diabetic ketoacidosis. This is a process where your body is breaking down fats or lipids, cholesterol, especially, stores in the body, and it's using it for fuel. And those are the ketone bodies that are the circulating, you could say, fat molecules in your bloodstream. And you know, the pioneer in this field about what ketone bodies can do for our bodies, especially for our brain, is Dr. David Pullmutter. And I have one of his books here behind me that really opened up this realm for me called Grain Brain. And he made this fascinating statement. Just to give context, uh, Dr. Pumatze is a neurologist. So they specialized to become medical doctors, which is already a tremendous six or seven year degree. Then they specialized another six or seven years to become a neurologist, you know. And then he went into private clinical practice, uh, prescribing medication like any neurologist would. And he made, had this aha moment that changing people's diets would change their health. 
And then he, when he started doing research, and he's probably now one of the primary funders for understanding how nutrition helps the brain, and also the microbiome is really expanding that field. But what he said in his book way back then was that he believes the gut is the first brain. Now, that's, that's a, that was, for me, that was like a humble moment because you're, you're specialized in this field. You've invested 18 years of your life or more in this field, and you're saying the gut is more important than the brain, in essence. So this really you know, at least hones in the point for people to understand how crucial it is. But yeah, let's circle back to the main. It's really about making sure that your body goes into a state where you can die, you can break down the fat to ketone bodies, which will feel optimum health, energy, and brain function. And then, wow, you have a lot of weight loss, which is, you know, one of the best added benefits for a lot of people, especially for the men. They lose weight much more quickly. For women, unfortunately, it's a bit more of a challenge. It's because of the hormones. Your body's designed to store fat for the baby that might be coming. <laughs> so we, you have to give your body a lot more grace and a lot more patience. And there's a lot more clinical work that needs to be done oftentimes. But at least for the men that are listening, why not do it immediately? You will reap the benefits. <laughs> yeah, there's no question about it. And, and I see it with my practice as well. Men have very little trouble with weight loss when they enter ketosis, when they intermittent fast. And with females, there's actually a really great plan. If you go back and listen to a few episodes ago with Dr. Stephanie yeah. Estima, who did this wonderful talk about a lot of the research that's been done with regards to fasting has been done on men. And she talked about cyclic keto, cycling keto with certain types of other specific plans in her book, the Betty Body Book. Highly, highly recommend mm -hmm. for the females or for anybody who has uh, an important female in their life to go and read that book. She's created this really awesome diet plan that allows you to figure out how to cycle the diet effectively based on hormonal cycles to create the optimal, not only microbiome, but support brain health, support uh, weight loss, support everything. And yes, the grace and the requirement for compassion with yourself is there. It doesn't happen as quickly mm -hmm. for females generally, but there are amazing case studies out there of, of women that have done really, really wonderfully on these style of diets. And really what it is, is we've been trained to eat, like you said, three, four meals a day, too often and too much. And when we restrict it, when we actually pay attention to what our body's trying to tell us when we're full, when we're not hungry, when we're actually thirsty and not in need of calories, but actually just hydration and start to drink more water, it creates this optimal balance. Digestion is an energy heavy process. It requires a lot to happen. And if we do it too often, it actually pulls energy from all of the other cells in the body. And that can help shut down our brain and shut down our immune system and shut down our lymphatics because we're sending so much blood flow just to the gut to help break down these nutrients. That in itself becomes problematic. And so intermittent fasting is one of those wonderful tools that we can use so simply. In fact, it, it often saves people a ton of money in addition to this because you're not eating as often and you have way more time to focus on things that you want to get done. I've tried multiple styles. 16-8 seems to be for most people kind of that optimal number. So you have an eight-hour feeding window, a 16-hour fasting window. Within that fasting window, you are encouraged to drink water, encouraged to take liquids and, and hydration in, but only allow for that window to be a little bit smaller with regards to actual foods. 
And I've tried OMAD, I've, tr I've done 72 hour fasting, I've done the fasting mimicking diet, you name it. Each one of them has its benefits. Each one of them has its merits and its positivity. And the answer really is figuring out what works best for each individual, for yourself. Dr. Google is out there with all the answers for everybody. <laughs> the problem is it doesn't know what's going on in you. And only the only person that truly knows what's going on within each individual is that individual. And that requires us to take responsibility and listen to our body. So I, I just want to point out, we, we want to take that time. We want to take that effort to listen to what our body's trying to say. And you, you're making me think of this amazing um, quote from David Wolf. He said, when you're struggling with health, when you're in pain, do nothing. And what he's trying to say and explains further is you stop and you listen. And this is what fasting can do. In fact, I like to use another analogy. We prioritize taking a holiday when we're tired and stressed out, we need a break. But how often do we give the digestive tract a holiday? Yeah. That means not eating food. And then when you do these nothings, your body will speak volumes. And then to interpret that information, you have wonderful natural medicine doctors like me and Dr. Nawaz Habib to guide you to make more sense of that information. I absolutely love that quote. And I'm totally going to use that analogy with my clients now. When you're stressed <laughs> for a holiday, you need a weekend away. Give your gut an opportunity to take yeah. that weekend away. I love it. Oh, that was wonderful. And what a great note to end on. Dr. Francois, it's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you, being able to share your expertise, your story, learning from you. You, you've been through a lot in your life. You've gained a ton of information and you're just continuing to grow. And I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your journey here and, and for you to uh, continue to grow and share more and more health news, not only with your patients in South Africa, but worldwide. Thank you so much really for joining me today. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Any, any last words, any closing remarks? Well, I'd recommend any single one of your listeners, if they haven't picked up your book, Gates, How <laughs> to Activate Your Vagus Nerve. It's going to be the next big thing. I know gut health right now has finally broken through to so many people, but if people connect gut, brain, and vagus nerve, well, Bob's your uncle. And I, I really do encourage people to pick up that. I appreciate that very much. I think it's, it's very overlooked and that's exactly why I wrote the book. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your journey and for you to help share this message of optimal health with everybody worldwide. Let's, let's get people healthy, functioning well, and let's allow for human ingenuity to get out there and people to do their thing. That's right. Make, make that small change, listen to your body, impact your own world, and then the rest of the world will follow suit. I love it. Thank you so much for joining and thank you for listening for today and we'll chat with you on the next one. Thank you, everyone. Mm -hmm.